0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats Podcast, where come rain shine or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazar. And today, yeah, we're in the same room again. We lied to you when we said it was going to be like a month. Yeah, no, that was a fib. Yeah, that, that, that was a little bit of an untrue. But welcome to the recap of the first K-State football game of the year, which was K-State against South Dakota, the Coyotes. And we're just going to go ahead and go straight down the list, not going to bounce around anything except for one thing. And that is this episode in its entirety is being brought to you by the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where we have a promo code for $5 off of such designs, such as Doom Tang Clan, which is officially approved by the Tang staff, by the way, so you kind of have to get it. Then play Sandstorm Cowards and Neon Alleycats. If you use the code KOFFACATS, that's K-O-F-F-A-C-A-T-S at Aggieville Alley Cats the merch store. You can find that link in our Twitter bio as well as the Spotify bio. You get $5 off your entire purchase. And this will be going on for a limited time, so please get in the code as soon as possible. Now, the first thing I actually wanted to talk about, I forgot to put it on the outline, but I feel like it's something that we both are pretty equipped to talk about, is the atmosphere. This was actually a sellout game, even though there was going to be questions about whether or not it would be. So, uh,
1: what did you think of, of the atmosphere? It was one of the better atmospheres of the last few years, I felt like. I I feel like I was cheated from this great atmosphere (laughs) because the student section was excellent. It was packed. Uh, I got into the stadium um, about an hour before kick, and I was just doing a a lap around the stadium. Uh, And uh, when we were on the west side, the two main sections were already completely full uh, by the time uh, we were on the other side. So an hour before kick, people were already there. Um, it was fairly warm, and so it was It was nice dedication. And then uh, the stadium was completely full by the time the game started. It was loud. Uh, everybody was into it. Um, obviously, that waned as it went just because it was, I mean, we had controlled the entire game. We got up on the first play uh, five minutes in. We were up two scores, and we coasted from there, really. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the atmosphere was um, excellent, especially for a season opener against an uh, FCS team. Uh, well beyond my expectations.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And we didn't have anything that happened to, you know, suck the soul out of the stadium.
1: That is true, yeah.
0: Yeah, it was it was a pretty good day for not only atmosphere-wise, but after the sun went down, it
1: was a pretty good day weather-wise, too. Yes, yeah. It was a night and day difference the second that the sun well, went Well, quite literally. Passport. Yes. <laughs> 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 yeah. Which... It's really nice when you're down the lower bowl, but you always feel for, like, the people on the upper deck that are in the sun until, like, 7.30. Yeah. spend, like, an extra hour in the sun. That gets pretty warm pretty quick, and that really drains the life out of you as well, sitting in the sun for a while. But it wasn't too bad. The sun was gone from where we were sitting by—it was barely halfway through the first quarter, honestly. Like, it didn't take that long at all, but— Granted, the first quarter did last a long. Time. That was a very, very long first quarter. A lot of media breaks just because we were scoring a lot, which isn't—that's a good problem to have. And uh, just uh, yeah, generally took a lot, uh, a lot of drops as well, so the clock was stopping too. But yeah. yep. But now we can go into
0: the actual on the field factors. And the the first thing to know is there's been a lot of concern about. The offense, both on Twitter and on message boards. and Basically, the best analogy that I can come up with for how the offensive play calling was, was the offensive play calling was just basically a scoop of vanilla ice cream on untoasted white bread. It was the most vanilla, inoffensive, normal offense that you possibly could have run. Pretty standard running concepts. Like We had our sweep. We had our signature sweep going in with the center pulling to the outside. We had duo. We had a little bit of inside zone. We had the Kyle Shanahan play, as I call it, which is just the boot. That's a basically a levels concept. And then we had one or two deep shots, and one of them was a really good ball by Adrian Martinez, but it just unfortunately wasn't caught by Philip Brooks. But like, the... I understand why people are concerned, and we will talk about that a bit later, but it has to be taken with that this offensive play calling, the play sheet that they had was basically maybe 3 to 5% of the actual playbook.
1: Yeah, that was the sense I got just from watching, um, that we really weren't taking a lot of risks, it seemed like. Um, which was alluded to by the players and coaches afterwards as well. Of course, they're going to say that, but I do kind of believe them because that was the sentiment that we had during the game as well. Yeah. And it, it was we were taking a lot of stuff underneath. Uh, South Dakota was playing prevent defense for the most part, and also the running game was just working. And I, I take Colin Klein as the type of play caller to take what he can get. And if they're going to give us underneath stuff and seven yards per carry, then I imagine Colin Klein's going to be just fine with that. Yeah. Um, and then also, it this kind of felt like... A, and Ace and I were talking about this before the episode started. Uh, this, this felt like a Bill Snyder opening game, more than a Chris Klein opening game, where the playbook is extremely limited and it's really focused on just doing a few things really, really well yeah. and just getting out ahead quickly. And I imagine... I, I imagine there's going to be a lot more that we see play calling-wise against Missouri, some more creative stuff. Because, I mean, we really didn't do much creative at all. The one, And like you said, the one time we took a really big shot downfield was a really nice throw, but just wasn't quite hauled in by Philip Brooks. And that would have doubled the passing output for the game. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, outside
0: of that, we kind of alluded to it, perhaps as a consequence of the lo- limited playbook, the, the passing game in general, left a lot to be desired. And when talked to after the game, Chris Kleiman said, yeah, the the passing game didn't really catch its footing. And then Adrian Martinez said he was just taking what the defense was giving him. Which, you know, there are a couple of times where Adrian Martinez notably missed a couple of, of shots that he could have taken. If he throws... The one ball that I'm thinking of is on the the Kyle Shanahan play, as I call it. There was an opportunity to hit Cade Warner on the comeback on that route. There was an opportunity to hit, I think it was Philip Brooks, up the seam at one point. If he throws it, if he basically just throws it as the alert to that. He just gets the ball, throws it up the seam. There's probably opportunities where he could have thrown the ball a little bit further downfield. But hey, he didn't need to. So, you know, it... If he didn't need to, I'm not going to complain about it too much. It's just something that I'm not concerned about, but I'm watching.
1: Yeah, and that's my thing with it, too, is it really seemed like the whole game plan was pretty much to just limit mistakes at the end of the day because I I think that it was pretty obvious that K-State was far more talented than South Dakota, and they they didn't really feel a need to tip their hand, um, which... I mean, I would have liked to see more offensive uh, creativity in the passing game and maybe a bit more ambition in that side of the game, um, but I'm not going to let it like eat at me or anything like that until we continue to see that against higher-quality competition over the yeah. next uh, three games. Um, like If I see that again, I'm going to be concerned. Yeah. Missouri, if we continue to struggle as much as we did... Um, then, yeah, that that would be pretty concerning. Uh, I mean, I, I'd like to see at least 200 passing yards against Missouri. And the, Adrian only had 56 or 53 yeah, in, in 53. this game. So it's uh, a little concerning thus far, but he was efficient. He was 11 for 15. Uh, there was a couple drops in there, um, especially the deep ball to Philip Brooks. Um, he did get sacked a few times. Uh, granted one of them was definitely not his fault. No, he was, he got blown up on
0: a slot pressure, which KT didn't see, but that was like KT's one big mistake, which, yeah,
1: fine. You know, the only one issue there, but yeah, Adrian, he was efficient, um, pretty solid running the ball. Um, didn't really make like a notably bad throw. I would say, um, just would like to see more, but then again, you know, the run game was working incredibly well. You know, as efficient as it was, it and at the end of the day, a lot of the discourse around this game makes it sound as if it was like close. We won thirty four zero, like, and I, I think a lot of it's just frustration that we didn't do more because we definitely could have. Yeah, and the offense still only did get twenty seven points, so uh, you'd like to see more. But again, that that is also getting a little bit greedy because the team did play well as a whole and they won and they dominated in the way that they should have. They could have easily put up fifty in this game, and. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the backups were were in pretty quickly. Yeah, like in halfway through the third uh, quarter. Yeah. I mean the the defense was starting to rotate pretty heavily by the second quarter. Yeah, and so it's uh, it's tough to complain too much without sounding spoiled. Yeah, but it is still worth uh, talking about some of the major issues. Which, granted, there were not many issues. We're just covering them heavily here at the beginning. Yeah, because most of what happened in this game was good. Yeah, so. Yeah,
0: most of the most of this game can be very much viewed as positive. Speaking of big positive, the the defense was absolutely lights out, and they've they've notably made progress schematically to my eyes. Because we actually, for the first time that I can truly remember, we started running defensive line stunts. Which the one that comes to mind is the Brendan Mott sack, where he was running an end over, where basically D Hence Takes on a double-team block, pushes the guard to the right side towards the tackle, so that way Mott can reach over him to get a free run at the quarterback. Which, by the way, complete aside, Carson Camp's elite pocket awareness shined through. Like, he dodged maybe three. We had four sacks on the day. Carson Camp dodged maybe four or
1: five more. Yeah, yeah, we had four sacks, and we had at least two opportunities to get another sack that I can think of off the top of my head. And there were definitely more that I'm just not thinking of where we, there, there's no reason that we shouldn't have uh, gotten another sack, but then, you know, Carson camp just had phenomenal pocket awareness and credit to him for that, which that was the big thing that we harped on going into this game as well as that. Carson camp has really good pocket awareness and he showcased that, but he still got sacked four times because his offensive line is not very good. And also because our defensive line is really, really good. And deeper than anticipated uh, because we heard a lot about uh, guys like Brendan Mott uh, in the off season, but I wasn't expecting to see him make as big an impact as he did because he had a sack, almost had two, and, you know, all around a really good day. But yeah, the defense was absolutely phenomenal. They gave up, I think it ended up being about 230 ish yards and some change, but really that. Isn't like that's not a really good indicator of the quality of the game they had because well for one holding a team to under 300 is already excellent but most of those yards were garbage time time. and honestly the backup backup defense was still (laughs) holding their own because they they held the shutout um, pretty late and uh, they really they got about a third of their yards on the final drive. Um. so, I mean, the defense top to bottom was excellent. I can't really think of many, if any, players that had a notably bad game defensively at least to the point where i can really single somebody out and be like they didn't meet the expectations that i set daniel green had an unproductive day but he didn't do anything particularly bad other than kind of whiffed on a tackle once he almost
0: killed someone
1: he did he made up for it by (laughs) almost decapitating a person (laughs) which it seems we had a lot of big hits in this game Mm. but we were getting really low on them, so I think that we must have had a uh, anti-targeting clinic, yeah. uh, This off season, uh, courtesy of Daniel Green, <laughs> courtesy of Daniel Green and T.J. Smith, yeah, uh, to make sure that we don't get ejected. Like, like I really thought Kobe Savage was going to get a targeting early in the game. But yeah, it was just def- cause it was just the, the latest holding call. The ref really had a a sense of comedic timing. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, we can use all sorts of superlatives for uh, the defense as a whole, but uh, I mean, we can move into. Uh, Individuals as well that started to stand out as well.
0: Yeah. There were three true freshmen, one of which started, but all three got significant playing time. I was about to say minutes. I was getting the wires crossed again. (laughs) Jake Clifton played a lot at linebacker. Jacob Parrish played a bit at corner. And VJ Payne was actually one of the starting safeties, which is odd because he wasn't announced as such. But the main or number one, safety rotation seemed to be a blend of Drake Cheatham, Sincere Mason, and V.J. Payne. Nope, Drake
1: Cheatham, Kobe Savage, and V.J. Payne. Yes, and there were a few notable absences from the lineup. Josh Hayes did not see the field, uh, as well as Sean Robinson. They were both injured. T.J. Smith also uh, seemingly out with injury. Um, but, yeah, uh, Clifton, he was second in tackles for the team. He had four tackles all solo. Um, he was really impressive. I mean, first game as a true freshman, and not not even just that. Like he was a summer arrival. It wasn't like he was a spring guy either. He was, what, four months ago, he was probably competing in state track Yep. for the state of Oklahoma. Less than four months ago, he was competing in state track. And today, he – yesterday – He uh, registered tackles for uh, Division I football team, uh, which is really, really impressive for Jake Clifton. And I imagine he's probably going to be playing early and often. Jacob Parrish, he was getting meaningful snaps as well, a corner. He was officially credited with one tackle. I thought he had another, but you know what? I'll take it. Uh, He was playing some press man a few times I saw as well. Really nice to see. He's been getting a lot of love. And then VJ Payne, yeah, he started. He wasn't officially listed um, as a starter. Um, they had a couple of the players that were injured, listed as starters. So yeah, like Sean Robinson. Yeah, which maybe that has something to do with like when they filmed those videos and like when uh, they were ruled out. Yeah. But yeah, VJ um, um, Payne didn't uh, get any stats, but that's probably good because he was the the cover safety. And he, he was in on a few plays, but it was kind of gang tackle situations where, you know, like, yeah, you could probably give the entire team an assisted tackle. Yeah. So, but he he was solid from what we saw, but he, he didn't do anything notably bad. At least that stood out from our cursory glances.
0: Yep. And then Jake Rubley got some solid playing time. He went 4-for-4 with 42 yards, including a really, really nice throw to Will Swanson. I'm not reactionary. He's the backup. To the two people I saw saying he's going to start in Week 4, stop saying that. You really have no idea what you're talking about.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Rubley, he did look great. He had that sweet throw to Will Swanson. Everything else was pretty standard. He had a... Tight window throw to R.J. Garcia as well, I believe. Mm-hmm. Which you know, it was nice to see Jake Rubley get on the field because last year people were just constantly complaining about it. Which he just he probably wasn't ready. No, he, but, he wasn't ready. Um, but we we get to see him finally, so that probably helps people subside a little. Um, and I imagine that you know you throw in the backups. Uh, he you know he's never gotten to play, so he he wanted to like make his name known, make some big time throws, and he looked good. And I was happy to see him play as well. Um, he had five rushes for a net of two yards. Because he did take a sack as well at one point. Yeah. But all in all, um, he he looked pretty good. He looked generally pretty comfortable as well. Um, made some good reads. Uh, the throw to Swanson, again, was really, really nice. Yeah. Uh, Will Swanson, uh, if you had him as the leading receiver, no, you didn't. No, you didn't. You <laughs> did not have him. But... Uh, yeah, he leads with two catches for twenty three yards, which is surprising to put it mildly. Yeah. But um yeah, that was cushioned by that really nice throw from Jake Ruby. Nice to see some Will Swans in action. But um yeah, I, I was I was happy to see him. Uh, based on Climate's press conference earlier this week, that's not too surprising that he was playing over uh Will Howard or Jaron Lewis. Yeah, or Jaron. Because Jaron's really not gotten much mention at all. And Will was listed more as like the QB for if Adrian gets hurt, whereas Rubley's the blowout quarterback. Yeah. Which fine. Yeah, makes sense to me.
0: And the last general takeaway is Giddens looks legit. Like DJ Giddens, the backup running back, he genuinely looks really good. And I know the main criticism was going to be, oh, he all he had to do was hit wide open holes. My counter argument to this was, I believe it was his second, it was either his first or second carry, where it was a pulling guard, and he did something that I've seen very few college running backs know how to do. He put his hand on the back of his offensive lineman so he could feel the leverage and cut the opposite direction. So not only was he reading the linebackers, he was able to leverage his lineman, and that's something that's very, very difficult to teach and it's something that a lot of college running backs don't do. That one play gave me more confidence in DJ Giddens as a true running back two and running back one for next year than just about any of the talk I've heard about him.
1: Yeah, he... And yeah, that, that is the the main criticism, which if, if you can call it one. I think it's, it's mainly a break pump, which is fair, I suppose, because we've only seen six carries of DJ Giddens, but the six carries we saw, I'd say, were very impressive. Yeah. And there's there's no reason to dilute that message, I would say, because I think people are aware that that's just not a big enough sample size to work with, but like you said, we did, we were able to draw some inferences from his actions and technique on those plays, which was really sound. Um, but yeah, six carries, 57 yards, and a touchdown, nine and a half yards a carry. Yeah, you're going to take that any day, and if you're a draft evaluator, maybe you're gonna care about the wide open holes, but if you're a K State fan that wants to win games, you're really not gonna care that much. I didn't <laughs> ask. But I don't care. Yeah. But yeah, really, really nice uh outing uh for DJ Giddens. The long awaited, it feels like, even though it's really not been that long. It's been it's, a year. Yeah, it's been a year, but he's been hinted about. <laughs> um and we finally we finally see him on the field and he at least so far fits the billing.
0: Yeah. We've actually gone over a lot of. Now we're going to move into the stats. We've actually gone over quite a few of the stats already, but we'll go ahead and go over just them really, really quick. Adrian was 11 for 15 for 53 yards. Granted, I think I'm thinking of three or there. I'm there are three drops that I'm thinking of. There might have been a fourth. I don't think he had any really bad misses.
1: I can think of at least two, and I know there's another that I can't think of. I'm thinking of Senate, Cade, and Philip. I forgot the Senate one. But I do believe you, <laughs> and <laughs> then uh the fill of one is the big one because that that one really hurt. Yeah. Um. Just from a a perception standpoint, uh, it didn't really matter in the grand scheme. <laughs> yeah. Um. Then the Cade Warner drop. That's just a frustration drop. Um. I, there may have been one other that, like you said, like we can't really think of, and there may have just been a mess at some point. But he was accurate and his throws his accuracy I think was one of the big concerns and decision-making was as well, which we kind of got the opposite of what people I think were expecting, which was like an erratic uh, quarterback and a gunslinger where he was very measured. And I think the concern was overly measured, but he, um, um, he, we saw him. you uh, we, we could really like see him go through reads more than a lot of K quarterbacks have in the past, yeah. because that's just not how they were coached in the past. And you can see him go one no, two no, three pass. You yeah. know, like spe- specifically on a throw to Sammy Wheeler in the first quarter, I believe. Yeah. But uh, there, there was a lot to take away from Adrian's performance, while simultaneously very little. If that makes sense. Yeah. Just, you know, he was a solid sound decision maker that I think was playing within the confines of what they wanted to see. And I'm not going to base my full opinion on him off of one game, because if we had based Skyler season last year off of the Stanford game, then he would have been mid yeah, and he would have had a below average year, honestly. So, but he ended up having some great performances in there. So you know, a lot of things can change from week one to week two. Um, I I well we'll be back here in a in a week, <laughs> so we'll be able to make a more sound judgment against a much higher quality opponent. But yeah, Adrian was fine.
0: Yep. Then Rubley, four for four, forty two. We already talked about him. Rushing Deuce quietly <laughs> collected a hundred and twenty yards on eighteen attempts with a touchdown. It yeah. was It was really
1: quiet. (laughs) I, I think a lot of it is that we've just gotten so used to Deuce being this reliable 100 plus yard running back. That we just didn't notice that he hit 126, because I didn't notice till after the game when I checked the stats, and I was like, "Wow, dude, had a really good game. Yeah. Like, like, this is this is an excellent stat line for him. 18 carries, 126 touchdown. He had that great touchdown run. Where shout out Hayden Gillum with the great pull on <laughs> um, on that play and just absolutely eviscerated a Poor defensive back, back. That really didn't deserve it. in <laughs> wrong, uh, yeah, wrong time. And then Deuce showed off one of his best skills, which is creating bad angles. Because he really just, he caught a safety in a really tough spot. Yeah. And he, he made the most of that opportunity. And was able to pretty much waltz in untouched for a 39-yard touchdown. Even though he did a lot of the heavy lifting there, he still wasn't touched. Yeah. But, yeah, quietly a really, really good game on the ground for Deuce Vaughn. Yeah. We already talked about Giddens. He was 6 for 57.
0: Mm-hmm. Adrian Martinez was 13 for 39. He had 18 yards of loss from sack yardage. But mm-hmm. Then receiving, <laughs> there's no one really notable here. Will Swanson, 2 for 23. RJ Garcia had one catch from Jake Ruby, it was 1 for 17. Leek Knowles, 3 for 14. Uh, ben Sinnott, 2 for 12. Sammy Wheeler, 1 for 10. Cade Warner, 3 for 10. Christian Moore, shout out Christian Moore. One for four, D.J. Ginn's one for three, J.S. Vaughn one for two, Philip Brooks with the drop.
1: Yeah, the only big notable things here are the usage of Will Swanson and then uh, the usage of Ben Sennett. And that Ben Sennett, we talked about preseason, how we thought he would be kind of an H-back type of guy and he really is just being used as a tight end he's used as everything yeah like, like at least thus far he's been primarily tight end and he can play about any backfield position that's not quarterback or running back yeah and uh, he he's got incredible positional versatility so I I was happy to see Ben Sinek get some targets uh uh on some uh, pretty easy routes uh just some stuff over the middle quick little drop-offs and Christian Moore had a nice play. And then he had another one that was called back due to a penalty, I think, where he got like 10 yards and fought really hard for those yards. Yeah, but, that was a hold. Mm-hmm. But he, uh, yeah, he had a quality game. Uh, getting the start at fullback over Jax Deneen who I would imagine is probably a little banged up yeah. since he's not playing. But Christian Moore looks solid.
0: Yeah, um, Christian Moore and, looks real
1: good. Yeah, in his, in his uh, outing. Oh, and then the one thing we didn't mention was the uh, Malik Knowles a uh, 75-yard For touchdown much. to start the season. My prediction in the Boscos Boys comments was very close. Technically incorrect. I will not claim victory, but I do just <laughs> want to. I do just want to like say I was I was close because I, I had kick return touchdown to open the the year and I was one playoff. off. But, you you got know, the player right. I did get the player right, and it was a long touchdown. This wasn't a kick return; it was just a, a jet sweep, which I suppose I should have thought about considering how many of those sort of plays he has in his career it seems like yeah Would you think the team would be ready for Malik Knowles jet sweep play one considering that it seems like a lot of times we we do that it ends up being a 75 70 (laughs) yard touchdown but yeah is what it is yeah you can take defensive stats yeah defensively um not really like a big one-off standout statistically speaking uh Austin Moore led the way in tackling with uh three tackles and half a tackle for loss um, Jake Clifton quietly was second in tackling, like we mentioned earlier. The true freshman, um, I, I really like that he's making a splash early. And it, it, it seems like Kleiman is really not too concerned about red shirts at this point in the era of the transfer portal. He's playing guys early and often to get him to stick around. Yeah, Four tackles for Clifton. Julius Brents had three tackles, including a big hit in the first quarter. <laughs> the spe- if if Brents didn't get him khalid duke would have yeah somebody was going to take that guy's head off one way or another (laughs) echo had three tackles desmond pernell he had three tackles and half a tackle for loss uh, filling in along with khalid duke for the injured sean robinson Mm -hmm. Uh, so desmond pernell came in as a safety now is in that sam linebacker role he played to the quality that i think they wanted wayne jones to be at and he, he fits that mold, but he did it really well. And I was pleasantly surprised. Uh, Felix Ndike-Yuzana, he was just absolutely dominating off the edge. Uh, three tackles, two tackles for loss, a sack, and a forced fumble. He should have had probably another sack in there at some point but Carson Camp is really good at avoiding that yeah Eli Huggins had a really nice day as well three tackles one a half for loss and a really really nice sack where he splits a double team instantly with a swim move I I was yeah swim uh, the swim move was absolutely disgusting on that play His, his nap jump was really great Huggins it's so big to have him back this year Kobe Savage had two tackles, a tackle for loss, and was flying all over the field. He had another big hit that we thought was gonna get called for targeting, but it was just a really lay hold. And he he looked really, really good. There's a reason he was being raved about all offseason. And it, it was great to see him flying around the field the way that he did with the confidence that he had. And going forward, he's gonna be someone to keep an eye on. Sincere Mason, he came he's back from some sort of knee injury at the end of last year from the West Virginia game. And he had a big interception uh, in the first quarter. And it was really nice to see him flying around. He looked really smooth. He, he's not lost a step. No. Um, and then from this point on, we're starting to get into more uh, walk-ons and depth guys with a couple of exceptions. Trey Krause, uh, walk-on. He had two tackles. He was getting a lot of playing time late. Same for Matthew Mashmeyer. Uh, then Hunter Henry, he was getting some more relevant minutes and rotation at safety yeah i'd imagine we see less of him once josh hayes and tj smith are back but we may still see him a little bit more brendan my like we said earlier he had one play that really stood out where he um had a stunt and got a big sack of carson camp and i was he i he, he about had another sack uh, later in the game, but Carson Camp was doing Carson Camp things. And yeah. not being very fast, but evading everybody, though. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but Brendan Mott, he was getting some, uh, uh, some shout-outs throughout fall camp, and we saw why pretty early on. And a shout-out to Robert Hentz on uh, that sack for Brendan Mott, really taking one for the team there.
0: Yeah.
1: Bo Palmer, backup linebacker, had two tackles. Jalen Pickle, he had one and a half tackles for loss and a sack As well as a batted ball. Yeah, and a a batted ball as well. I almost forgot to mention that. Thank you. Uh, Then uh, Uso Seomalo. The man way too fast for his size. absolute behemoth. Ace and I were going back and looking at his high school huddle tape, and there's a play where he... He's like he's like 6'3", probably 3'30 in those highlights. and He's playing 8-man. Yeah, they're playing 8-man Hawaiian football. And he like goes in as Wildcat quarterback and gets like a 60-yard touchdown run where he not only runs over people but also actively outruns a lot of defensive backs. And that's absolutely horrifying. And he looked just as fast. He ran somebody down uh, last night, and he looked incredibly powerful. When he gets more of the technical stuff figured out, and a little bit more strength work, he's going to be an absolute menace <laughs> in the middle. So he, he's got a little bit more development to do, but I was happy to see him. Uh, then Jacob Parrish, another true freshman corner, registered a tackle. Drake Sheatham, he started at safety, and Almost he had a tackle. Pick. Yeah, nearly had a great pick, which just registered as a PBU instead, but he nearly picked one off. Glee Duke, he looked really good yeah. compared to, I think, what everybody was expecting. Uh, he had a tackle... But he was flying all over the field for the most part and had some pretty good pass rush as well. Never got home, but he did get some pressures and was getting close, but never quite got there. Then the Kendra Steiger, random Juco transfer that came out of nowhere that just exists on the team now. <laughs> he and had a He had a tackle, played a little bit. Jace Friesen, the long snapper. Yeah. All uh, uh, the rest yeah. of these, we can probably just say, like, hey, yeah.
0: you know, all of these had one tackle each. Yeah. And- Yep. Chase Friesen, Cody Stuff will Nick Allen, Damien Ilaleo, Cartes, Crook Jones, Nate Matlick had a tackle for loss.
1: I don't know why Malik Knowles is here. Uh Seth Porter had the uh, punt block, which yep. going back, I guess Desmond Purnell did have a the, touchdown. He did have the uh, uh blocked punt return touchdown. So man, all in all, really, really great performance beyond just the stats for the defense. Um Guys that stood out were guys like Kobe Savage and Austin Moore, uh, looked great. Every defensive lineman, really, and the like and the two and like the one through two line looked great. Um, and when we played a lot of guys, Cody Selfobini was getting some meaningful snaps as well. He was in as early as the second quarter, I believe. Yeah, which granted, we started rotating really, really early, uh, to get to the deeper guys, but it was, um, all in all, really, really, it was a banner day for the defense. They looked very cohesive. They started this year as strongly as they ended last season. Yeah, and started last season. And started last season. (laughs) They did start really well, although they were even more short-handed to start the year here. Yeah. And they were last year. Yeah.
0: So now we can start going into game day grades. These we will try and keep a little shorter in the interest of time. Plus, we've already talked about the majority of them through stats. If you don't know what game day grades are, we go through every single position group, including the offensive and defensive coordinators, giving them a grade from A plus to F. A plus meaning they basically single-handedly won us the game, and F meaning they almost single-handedly lost us the game. So we're going to start with the most important position on the field, on any football team, and that is the quarterback. Now you mentioned us earlier being a little bit critical of Adrian Martinez and how conservative he was. To me, that It's not necessarily that he was conservative. It's that I saw what he missed. Like, there were opportunities for him to throw the ball a bit further downfield, whether it be in a tighter window or not. And he didn't have a bad day. He had an efficient day. He had a perfectly fine day. To me, he gets a C- because of the opportunities, the yards he left out on the field.
1: I gave him a C. Just because I, I felt like he was he was okay, um, the Phillips drop obviously isn't on him, and he was hitting receivers pretty well when he was throwing the ball. But like you said, he was missing a lot of open guys, and I, I can't in good conscience give him a higher grade. Really, yeah. um, I consider it a C plus. He was effective on the ground as well. He had a rushing touchdown, um, and the managed the game if nothing else but he didn't do much there were a few opportunities he had to do more but he didn't take them uh just it seemed like he didn't want to turn the ball over um but yeah he was all right but nothing better than a c yeah running backs this one's pretty simple a yeah a for me as well both deuce and dj were great nothing more to say there really Wide receivers, to me, got a C+, plus because at
0: times they did have trouble separating, which, again, maybe there's, maybe that's why Adrian Martinez, who's going through his reads a little bit fast, saw they didn't get instant separation, moved on to the next read. But even then, they didn't have an awful day. They didn't have a great day. But honestly, this one came. this is one of the weird times where it came down to blocking, and the wide receivers had a really good blocking day. So I'm going to end up giving them just a
1: flat C, bang average. I gave them a B-, minus. they did block well, and they were getting decent separation. There were a few plays where Adrian should have pulled the trigger, and he didn't. And there were a couple of drops in there, Uh, Cade and Phillip come to mind. Uh, But beyond that, Malik, he did catch the ball pretty well, Uh, just didn't have a lot of yardage. Um, And other than that, it was pretty uneventful, but they did block well. And they were getting open, but they just didn't have a ton of production. So I gave him a B-, but... Uh, i'm not super strong on that grade
0: yeah next up tight ends fullbacks i gave them an a minus not only because they blocked really well but you actually saw a lot of them you saw a lot of sammy wheeler saw a lot of will swanson saw a lot of ben sinnett saw a lot of christian moore all of them did very well and maybe they were kind of stealing a little bit from the wide receivers just because of how big of personnel we were playing because even though we would flex out our tight ends and technically make it three wide, we had a lot of bigger personnel
1: on the field today. I ended up giving them an A minus. I gave them an A minus as well. Um, they all played well from what we saw. Uh, would have liked to see Jax, but again, he's probably hurt. Uh, Sammy uh, was solid in what he showed. Benson, it looked really good. Um and Christian Moore was nice to see as well. So A minus for me. They all blocked well. They didn't have any notable drops from what I recall. Um, but I I, I liked what they what they showed in their action.
0: Yeah. Offensive line. There are only uh, there are only like two things that I have to complain about. One is Christian not Christian Moore. <laughs> KT Leviston missing slot pressure and getting adrian martinez eviscerated which caused the forced fumble on the day and also the snaps from gilly were a little bit off sometimes but those are my only real complaints and they had an excellent day otherwise those are just the only two things keeping them from getting an a plus i gave them
1: an a yeah same thing for me where they did have a few minor errors that take them down just a little kt missing that i mean understandable mistake but you know that's something that you learn from and don't do again if it continues it will become a bigger issue um but that was really his only mistake on the day that i recall other than that he was really quite solid um and then yeah a few off snaps from uh gillum but other than that an a grade for me as well
0: yep now moving on to the defensive side of the ball defensive line what can you say if you're even if you're an analytics guy, even if you're a film guy, there is no way that this performance doesn't get them an A plus.
1: Yeah, A plus for me as well. They dominated. That was uh one of the uh, the big matchups that we were gonna be watching going into this game was K State's defensive line versus South Dakota's offensive line and went exactly as we thought it would, yeah. which was really well for K State. Yeah. And they get an A plus from me. Phenomenal performance.
0: Yep. Linebackers, not much to say.
1: They did well. I gave them an A. I gave them an A as well. Uh, there were no notable p- bad performances. Uh, everybody, at the very least, uh, wasn't visible, which is good. And so Jake Clifton was really nice. Daniel Green did well in his action. Austin Moore led the way in tackles, which is impressive. And then uh, Desmond Purnell and uh, uh, Khalid Duke both held down the fort. at Sam while we waited for Sean Robinson to get healthy. Yep.
0: Next up is defensive backs, a room that had a lot of rotation. And this was another one where they just didn't. They were really stingy, didn't give up many opportunities unless it was quick game or slant routes where really there wasn't much they could do because it gets reflected onto the linebackers. I don't hold either of them responsible for that because A, it was garbage time when it started happening, and B, they had such a great game otherwise. I gave the defensive backs an A.
1: I gave them an A too um they were all around really great uh and that's while being a little short-handed in the safety room so they yeah they did give up a few easy things but it's tough to nick them on that really just because it it is easy stuff it's really hard to cover but and they agreed for me all around really impressive
0: yeah now we can go into the coordinators the first one is colin klein And I will say, I gave him this grade with the caveat of I know the offense was meant to be vanilla. If this was just like a straight up, this is all I think Colin Klein could do, and this is what I thought the entire playbook was, he'd probably get like a D minus. But with the caveat of this was a very limited playbook, with the plays that he permitted to be run, I ended up giving him a B minus just because. You know, he it was just really this is one of the few times that I've been very tempted to give an incomplete grade, but he was fine with the limited playbook B minus.
1: Yeah, I give a B. But again, I if if this wasn't his first game and it was like week seven or eight, this would probably be like a D or a D plus because we still did do well. On the ground but we just didn't do anything creative uh through the air but first full game with the full off season of preparation as the uh full offensive coordinator and play caller i'll give him a b but if this is what we are going to be seeing every week then i'll start to get worried but i i don't think that we should expect this to be the offense every week at least that's my impression but yeah for now it's a b yep
0: yeah. And then the final one is the Klandy man, Joe Klanderman, the defensive coordinator. And I'm not going to go as far as to call this a master class, but he had a really, really amazing game. Only thing keeping him from an A-plus for me is, well, honestly, just not really on him last drive, pretty much. Last couple drives, I'd still like to see him maybe get a little bit more. Eh, no, whatever, screw
1: it. A plus. <laughs> yeah, I gave him an A plus too, because I mean I I just couldn't find a way to give him a lower grade. That's because, what I was trying to do. Yeah, because I thought about it. <laughs> yeah, I was I I was sitting there like, did he get an A plus? But like you sit there and you're like, you know, South Dakota they had 270 yards of offense and they were under 200 until the final drive. So it's it's really hard to be like upset with him in any fashion especially when in the first half they had like 70 yards at halftime or something <laughs> yeah. like that i mean this was utter suffocation from the defense and the only reason south dakota really ever got any air was just because they uh we we were pretty much called off the dogs by the mid third quarter yeah. and it was it was coasting from there and it was mainly rotational guys from then on too and we were rotating pretty early as well so, A-plus for me, for Clanderman. He really called a great game, had a great scheme.
0: Yep. So that's game day grades. Now we can start doing, this is actually going to be new, where we always talked about the stories going into the game and then never talked about them again. So this year, we're actually going to talk about them. So the first question we asked was, does Adrian play a clean game? I feel like the monkey's paw kind of curled on that one. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes, he did play a clean game. Yeah, he did. Um he did have the fumble, but I'm really not going to put that on him cuz that was just a missed blindside block from um, KT Leviston. I would I think anybody fumbles there. Yeah. Uh, because I mean that that's just, that's just a clean full speed slot blitz. Uh, you're not going to get those often. So, you know, I'm not too upset with Adrian for that. And we we kept the ball too. KT actually picked it up and ran a little. Um but yeah, no turnovers. Yeah. Do we the story,
0: the next story was do we use more or less actually more
1: yeah i was surprised with how many designed quarterback runs we had uh for adrian i figured it would be in the three to five maybe six range um and not all of them were designed but he did run more than i expected him to he ended up with 13 carries granted four of those were sacks but that's still nine runs uh where he either pulled it down and ran or uh, was a read option so he uh uh, definitely more mobile than I was expecting. Yeah. The
0: next question was, does Ka- does Klein's offense look in sorts? Vanilla, but in sorts, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, I, I think that's a fair assessment, uh, especially in the running game. Uh, the running game was a well-oiled machine, and uh, passing game, uh, they, they weren't taking many risks, but they didn't look necessarily out of sorts, I'd say. Um, so yeah, I, I suppose with a bit of an asterisk to where if this was like a midseason game, I'd be more frustrated, but it was, it was fine.
0: Yep. Uh, who starts at each of the given safety positions? Honestly, it's not a relevant question because of how much they, <laughs> they rotated, but it was VJ Payne, Kobe Savage, and Drake Cheeto.
1: Yeah. And we'd normally see Josh Hayes at that other spot other than VJ Payne, but injury keeps him out. So a little bit of an asterisk. There, um but other than that, I think that hit that would have hit our prediction uh on the head yeah uh, from earlier in the uh in the summer but uh, uh yeah, yeah interesting VJ gets the nod there over uh, others, but uh, good for VJ still yeah. do we stay healthy after this game
0: Taylor Poitier got hurt no word on if it's long term, but
1: generally yes, yeah, for the most part we were still healthy. Pontier any indicators we can take were that he walked off under his own power for the most part, it seemed like. Really, really, really hoping that it's not a long term injury. Uh just cause I, I after missing all of last year and getting a lot of hype coming into this year, that would really, really uh suck for him uh and for the offensive line as a whole. Um, if he if he were unable to Uh, to fight through or if it was just something that required surgery so hopefully he's able to um, come back sooner rather than later because i was really looking forward to watching him this year because he's a really great offensive lineman but uh, other than that pretty clean yeah does the new offensive line look cohesive yeah for the most part yeah kt missed one block other than that i thought he was surprisingly good um, at left tackle. Duffy avoided any Duffy moments. Yeah, Duffy did not have a notable Duffy moment, which was really nice. Good for, good for you, Duffy. And uh, Gillum had a couple of snaps that were off, but other than that, he was also very impressive. Yeah. And we rotated a lot as well. Uh, Andrew Langang, he was playing quite well. Sam Hecht yeah. got in. Yeah, Sam Hecht was playing several snaps. Hadley Panzer was playing quite a bit, too. Uh, everybody that got on the field for the O-line, it seemed like they were doing quite well. Uh, Not many people were getting destroyed. Carver Willis played a little bit and didn't do great. But other than that, really, everybody else was doing pretty solid, I thought. Yep. Uh, How
0: many touches does Deuce get this game? He ended up getting 19 registered.
1: Yep. Uh, 18 carries, one catch. Would like to see a little bit more usage in the passing game. But I, again, I think we're going to see more of that uh, over the rest of the season. But there just wasn't a reason really in this game to put him at much more risk. I think after his long touchdown run, he was basically retired.
0: <laughs> yeah. okay, yeah, He was told that he didn't have to do anything for the rest of the day. Yeah. So then we get to talk about our MVPs. Uh, yeah, we're gonna go ahead and mention the fact that none of our picks for MVP from the preview show were right because both of our offensive MVP picks were Adrian Martinez. Mine defensively was Felix and yours. Daniel Green was my pick defensively. And he
1: had one tackle,
0: so definitely not the MVP. Yeah. So I think the offensive MVP, this is cheating. I don't care. It's the offensive line. That's
1: that's fair. It really is. I'm going to say Deuce just because he did have that big explosive play. Um, offensive line is a totally fine pick. I just didn't want to take yours there. <laughs> Um, but I mean, because the O line was really great for the most part. Um, but I don't know. I guess if I could pick a room, I'd say running backs, but I'm not going to do that. Deuce Vaughn for me. Yeah. And then defensively,
0: almost has to be Kobe Savage to me. Not only because of his stats, but because of the other the other pick that I was debating was actually Sincere Mason because of the pick, but just with every single play that you saw, Kobe Savage was within two or three yards of it. So if he didn't make the play, he was about to.
1: (laughs) Yeah, he was really impressive. I'm picking him too, so I am taking your pick here, I guess. (laughs) But he was really impressive to me. Um, And we already had high hopes for him, and I'd say that he surpassed them. Even though he only had, I say only, he only had two tackles. Um, That doesn't really matter, honestly, uh, to me. He was really, really impressive, I thought. I'm looking forward to seeing him play more. He's a very active player. So, um, Kobe Savage, defensive MVP for me.
0: Yep. And now we can go into the general takeaways we had from this game. And the first and foremost one is we saw a very, very different Adrian Martinez. We saw an Adrian Martinez who is very conservative today. I wonder if that continues. And the reason, if I, okay, this is going to be a controversial take, and this might not be something that a lot of people would share. If the alternative is the Nebraska Adrian Martinez, where he's a gunslinger, I almost certainly would take that over a hyper-conservative Adrian Martinez, because this is a type of defense that I think could eat turnovers if it means that we're going to get some more explosive plays. But obviously there's going to be something in the middle. It's not a binary there. But Adrian Martinez was very conservative today. Yeah,
1: that that was very surprising, um, especially just the degree. I figured that we'd see something resembling a more conservative and mature version of Adrian Martinez, but I was not expecting it to the degree that we saw where he only took the one deep shot. And again, that tends to make me believe that they were really holding back because especially because i like we said it earlier i mean there was a lot of points in time where there was a guy open downfield Adrian martinez it is not in his wiring to pass up a downfield open man (laughs) Yeah, so you have to think that there was something in the game plan that they wanted to keep away sandbag yeah yeah, we we might be overthinking it. We may be sandbagging. Yeah. that's not po- like it's it. That's not impossible. Yeah, but it, regardless, for this game in a vacuum, it was uh, surprising to see him not take more chances. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's fine. He didn't really need to take those chances. We won thirty four zero, so I'm not going to you know be upset about that. And any stretch of the imagination, so.
0: Next big takeaway is our defense is going to be legit. And And schematically, they're getting more mature, which both are insane signs. Because I said it last year that I think the one that we stole this scheme from was actually Iowa State, just because of how similarly the two units played. This year, we started working in a little bit more of what Oklahoma State did, and different types of blitzing and different types of stunts from the defensive line which is a a sign of schematic maturity, which if we're getting better with this scheme, I think it's going to be a very deadly defense.
1: Yes. This is probably going to be a defensive-minded team, first and foremost, with a complementary offense, which I am okay with because if we can get a special teams or defensive score roughly every game, then the offense is going to be fine doing what it did today, which you know, if you're putting out high 20s. And then you can make it work, but obviously, I'd like to see more from the offense. Just again, you know, backups were in pretty early, so it's it's tough to make a verdict there. But yeah, the defense was really, really, really good, especially in the first half when they were really going all out. Uh, Those first few series, they were just absolutely dominant in every sense of the word. Yeah. Uh, Once we started rotating out the starters, they relaxed a little bit, but of of course they did. (laughs) So, uh, but yeah, really impressed with the defense. Yep. Next takeaway, this true
0: freshman defensive class has the potential to be absolutely nuts because we saw three true freshman starters and the one with the highest ceiling we didn't even see because I still believe that... Toby O is the one with the highest ceiling. He's just the one that probably needed to marinate the most. But seeing Jake Clifton, Jacob Parrish, and VJ Payne, all of which have J in the first (laughs) name, Toby didn't. Maybe that's the key. But (laughs) all of them had amazing days for true freshmen.
1: Yeah. Uh, VJ starting. uh, He was in on the first snap. Uh, Jake Clifton was rotating in early and often. Yeah, and then Jacob Parrish, we saw quite a bit of him, too. They all played meaningful snaps, which I thoroughly enjoyed, and I wasn't expecting to see them as early. Granted, VJ was a bit more out of necessity for his starting, yeah. but I, uh, I I, I, was very happy uh, with that. Those guys are going to be stalwarts of the defense uh, and core parts of the defense's success in the coming years, I would say. Uh, but then again, yeah, Tobio is still waiting in the wings. Uh, hopefully we can expect to see more of him uh, maybe later in the season. But he also is probably on a redshirt trajectory. So we'll see. Yep.
0: Then Katori Leviston at left tackle. Worked fine. Didn't
1: embarrass himself. Actually played quite well except for the one play. Yeah. He had quite a few highlight plays where he would really (laughs) just... just, stunking on people. Yeah, just really embarrass somebody. He only had the one real mess up, and it was a big mess up. But it, the, that is something that is coachable. Yeah, You know, the, the, that's just something that he missed. And some of that probably comes from uh, last year. He was playing interior the whole time. So it's, it's something that can be worked around. If it continues, then I'll be concerned. But he surpassed my expectations for week one. Absolutely. Next one is no matter who's at safety, they're all solid. Yeah. Yeah, I, I liked everybody that we saw on the field. Uh, at safety Steiger. Yeah, and Steiger actually was quite good. Uh, and he's somebody who I don't even think we ever even mentioned on no. the show cuz he had a completely unceremonious addition <laughs> the D- to the Jenkins squad committed. Yeah, he really was. Um he uh he kind of just showed up after uh the I'm forgetting his name from Arizona. uh Javion Carr. Javion Carr. Yeah, just yeah. Uh, didn't show up just elected to not be on the team um yeah it was a really really impressive day for the safety room which is crazy to think about how you know a month or two ago we were all sitting around worried about the future of that room because uh we were fully expecting that to be the, the big issue position this year on the defense but it was really quite impressive then the final
0: takeaway is Kobe Savage is an absolute monster, and I'm gonna love seeing him play
1: here. Yeah, he's gonna be a lot of fun uh, to watch this year. Hopefully, he's gonna be the next great K State safety because uh, I think this team does need to stand out in the safety room, and Kobe Savage is perfectly positioned to be that guy for at least the next two years. So I'm a uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, for. Uh, this upcoming season and next year as well. Because I, I really, really liked what I saw from him in week one. But we're going to get, again, like we've been saying over and over for the offense, we can say it for the defense too. We're going to have a better idea of what we're really getting next week. Yep. And next week is your
0: matchup against the Missouri Tigers. My my childhood team.
1: This is the ace revenge game.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's a uh, it's cat fight. Yeah, it's gonna be a cat fight.
1: I am very excited. The atmosphere was great this past That's week. It's gonna be nuts. And that and this game was fifty thousand four hundred and some change. Four thousand sixty nine. Four hundred sixty nine. Yeah. Don't ask 50, me why I remember fifty thousand four hundred. Yeah, I won't. And <laughs> Missouri our, was announced as a sellout a month ago, so I'd imagine attendance is gonna be in the fifty-one to fifty-two range. It's gonna be up there in some of the biggest crowds to ever be at. Bill Snyder Family Stadium, which it won't quite crack the top ten, I don't think, unless it really goes above and beyond what we're expecting. Yeah. But I mean, if we if we got fifty thousand there for South Dakota, there's no doubt in my mind if we will for Missouri. So I'm really really excited for this game next week. Uh, it's an eleven a.m. Wish it was a, a night game just because it's going to be warm. But oh, i it's going to be so hot. Yeah, I'll live. It'll be fine. I have sunscreen. Yeah, it'll be okay. <laughs> but we'll see but
0: yeah that pretty much wraps up this episode of the aggieville alley cats podcast thank you all so much for listening if you want to follow or contact the show we are at aggieville a cats on twitter that's capital a capital a and capital c and cats if you want to email us we're aggieville alley cats at gmail.com if you want to follow us on a more personal note i am at ac Edwards zero zero i am at Connor balthasore capital c capital b and if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alleycats merch store and use the code KOFFACATS, K-O-F-F-A-C-A-T-S, to get $5 off your purchase of such designs as Neon Alleycats, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Tank Clan. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alleycats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Halley Cats.